Amen. Hope is alive. Amen. This death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is the central reality of all human history. This rescue of Jesus, it is the most important, important historical event that has ever happened. This, this rescue of Jesus, what he has done with his death, burial, and resurrection, it gives to us, it gives to all who believe, all humans, the great desires of our hearts. It gives us the salvation we desire. It gives us the love we desire. It gives us the meaning we desire. It gives us salvation. It saves us from guilt. It saves us from shame. There's not a person in this room who hasn't done something that we're not ashamed of. Everyone in this room has done what is wrong, and we know it. How do we get freed from that shame? How are we freed from the bondage of that darkness and pain? There's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. Because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we are free. We are saved, and we are loved. Greater love has no one than this, than they lay down their life for their friends. And what Jesus has done is he has proven with his death, burial, and resurrection that we are loved. If you ever wonder, am I loved, look at the cross. Look at the cross and know you are loved by God. And because you are loved by God, your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. And it's bigger than your appetite. It's, it's bigger than your desires. It's bigger than you. It's, it's the glory of God. This salvation that fills you with his love allows you to live for something that is bigger than you. It is the life of Christ. It is the glory of Christ. Christ has come. His death, burial, and resurrection is the gospel. I know that the word gospel is used different ways, sometimes to describe even music, but it's more than that. The gospel simply said is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And through the gospel, we are saved. And through the gospel, we are loved. And through the gospel, we have purpose, and our life has meaning. This gospel has been proven true. How do we know that this is true? How do we know that, that salvation is real, that God's love is real? How can we know that our life really has a purpose with this meaning, that this, this glory of God is the purpose of our life? How can we know this? I'll tell you how. Because hope is alive. Because Jesus Christ has been raised. And, and the resurrection of Jesus proves all that he said. And he said some pretty incredible things. Jesus said that he was God. You go back and you read John chapter 8, the last verse. He's having a conversation with religious leaders. And he says to them, he says to them the very thing that makes them want to kill him. He says to them, before Abraham, I am. What's he saying? Before Abraham existed, before anything existed, he said, I am. Saying the very thing that God said to Moses at the burning bush. He's saying, I am God. And the resurrection proves that what Jesus said is true. He is God. Jesus said by his blood we would be saved. He promised that his blood would bring redemption and, and holiness and, and, and give us access and reconciliation to God. The resurrection proves that it's true. Jesus said that he was God. Jesus said that, that he would bring salvation. And to boot, Jesus said that, that he would be crucified. 
that he would be killed to provide the, the, the sacrifice necessary for salvation. But listen, he said on the third day he would be raised. Friends, hope is alive. On the third day, he was raised. Jesus is God. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our hope. He is the one that gives life. And the resurrection is the proof. Now, it is good to know the facts of the resurrection. It is good to know the historical reality of the resurrection. But let me tell you something. The resurrection was meant to be more than simply studied. Listen to me. The resurrection is meant to be experienced. We are meant to experience the power of the resurrection every day and on to eternity forever. The resurrection is more than just a historical reality. It's an experience that we are to have in Christ. This morning, Benny, Pastor Benny gave me a pack of M&Ms. It's a small pack, but still, it's M&Ms. And we all know that M&Ms are the greatest candy on the planet. We know this. We know this as a fact. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. It is a reality. But how, how strange and wrong would it be for me to say, thank you, Benny. I know the historical reality of the M&M. I know the very interworkings that make the M&M the M&M. Thank you for giving me this bag. I will study it later. That makes no sense, does it? No. M&Ms, like the resurrection, are meant to be experienced. So much so that I feel like everyone should have one. So ushers, if you would, come and share with the congregation a bag of M&Ms. Because M&Ms are meant to be a glorious experience. Now, I know some of you have doubts. You're wondering, is this M&M all that Pastor Jason says that it is? Well, let me explain to you what it is and the historical reality of it. M&Ms are colorful, button-shaped chocolates produced by Mars Incorporated. Uh, the, the candy shell, each of which has the letter M printed in lowercase on one side, it surrounds milk chocolate filling. Now, what is milk chocolate filling? Just in case you don't know, let me explain it. Milk chocolate filling is made of sugar, chocolate, skim milk, cocoa butter, lactose, milk fat, soy, lectin. I don't know what that is, but it tastes good. <laughs> Salt, artificial flavor, the shell. So there's, that's the milk chocolate. There's also a shell. You need to understand the reality of what you're getting, all right? Here's the, here's the shell. The shell is made of sugar, cornstarch, less than 1% corn syrup, so that's good. Dextrin, coloring, and gum of acacia. I don't know what acacia is, but it tastes awesome. <laughs> so what is the, the reality? What's going on with M&Ms? Well, M&Ms originated in the United States in 1941. You need to know the historical reality. And they are now sold in as many as 100 countries around the world. I can tell you from personal experience, I have bought and eaten M&Ms on four continents, and they're all great. Every one of them. So the, 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 they are produced in different colors, as you will soon see, some of which have changed over the years. The candy-coated chocolate concept was inspired by a method used to allow soldiers to carry chocolate without having it melt. Maybe you didn't know this. These were created in World War II because when our soldiers would take over a city, the children would come thanking them, and they were given chocolate, but they couldn't give it out because it would melt. 
So this company made chocolate that, won't melt, that will melt in your mouth but not in your hand. So now you know. That's the historical reality of their famous slogan, melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Now, a traditional milk chocolate M&M, which is a, a packet you have been given, weighs about 0.91 grams, just one. Now, that's 0.032 ounces, and it has about 4.7 kilocalories of food energy, and bad news, 1.7 kilocal from fat. But that's okay, you're in church, it won't count against you. Now, some of you have started eating these, and I'm telling you, I don't know. I don't know what to think about you. Isn't it enough that you've been given an explanation of the reality of the M&M? Isn't it enough that you know the historical background and reality of the M&M? Of course not. Now, some of you have, have gotten, been a little tentative, so let me, let me show you how to do this. All right, take the top and take the, take the top completely off. When you're done, you should have about this much paper in your hand. You don't need this. Throw this at your neighbor. All right. Now, you'll notice it says on here, fun size. That is a misnomer. That's, that's not true. This should be read, this should be called small size. Because fun size would be like the size of me, right? You know, 215 pounds of pure M&M chocolate. That would be fun. This is small. And because it's small, let me show you how to eat a small size, all right? Some of you have been foolishly taking one at a time. That's a joke. You are humiliating that bag of M&Ms. You are making it feel so awkward because that's not how it's meant to be eaten. Let me show you how it's done and let me ask you to participate. Take the bag, hold it loosely over your head, and then down it, baby. Mmm. That's how I eat a bag of M&Ms. Oh, some of them were left. Wait a minute, that one's melted. Oh, it's still good. Oh. Are y'all eating these? Mmm. If you like it, raise your hand. Mmm. If you don't like it, go see a physician. You're crazy. <laughs> oh, man, that's so good. You know, I was giving you the historical data. This is better, isn't it? I mean, reading about chocolate and sugar and lactose and whatever that other stuff was, acacia, I don't know. It's good. And here's what I know. Some of you today, and by the way, when you're done, just let that, let that, that taste in your mouth, just let it stay, all right? Some of it's going to be in your teeth, just let it be there, nobody cares, all right? And that, that, that covering that's covering your mouth of chocolate right now, don't, wash, don't brush your teeth for at least an hour. Just let it really settle in, all right? Because I'm telling you, that's the way it's done. Mm, that's good stuff right there. But you know what? Very easily, you could have said, yes, I, we've read, we know the background of the M&M, that's good. That's good information. But that would have been silly. That's just silly. M&Ms are supposed to be experienced. Now, some of you have come today and, and you're saying, I understand the resurrection. God became flesh. He dwelt among us. He died for our sins and he was raised. Okay, can we go get lunch now? You've not experienced it. You may know the historical reality of it, but the resurrection is not meant to simply be studied. It's meant to be experienced. We're meant to know the power of the resurrection, the love of the resurrection, the peace of the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection. You say, well, how is it that I can experience this? How can I taste and see that the Lord is good? How can I experience the resurrection? There's only one way. You have to identify with Christ. 
You say, how do I do that? Well, you have to die to your old life. You have to say, you know what? My old life is dead. It's buried in Christ. And now I am being raised to walk in a whole new life. I give up my old life of being an enemy to God. I give up my old life of doing things on my own. And and I give up and I die to that life so that I can identify with Christ and so that I can live in Christ. Being identified with Jesus' death and life is the means of salvation. It is the means of experiencing God's love. It is the means of bringing glory to God. Let me say it again. Those who are saved are saved both by the death of Jesus and the life of Jesus. So often we hear songs and you hear sermons and teaching about the death of Jesus. But the scripture clearly says that we are also, that we are saved by the life of Jesus. Let's look at it. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me right now to Romans chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. There's one in the pew underneath you or right in front of you. Go to the New Testament. You can use your phone, your tablet, whatever you got. Go to Romans chapter 5. And we're going to look at a single powerful verse. Verse 10. In honor of God's word, let's all stand together as we go to the text. This is again Romans chapter 5 verse 10. And look what it says. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So we were made right with God. We were reconciled by the death of his son. Shall, look at this. Where are we? For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Okay, now look at this. Much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved? Say it with me. By his life. Let's pray. Father, give us insight into what this means. Not simply so that we can say we understand it with our minds, but so that we can experience it with our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Let's talk about this. Let me, let me show you some things. Understand that the death of Jesus provides the forgiveness to live a saved life. The death of Jesus provides the forgiveness necessary to live a saved life. It says that we are reconciled to God by the death of his son. And there are some who ask, why? Why does Jesus, why did Jesus have to die for me to be saved? Why is that so necessary? Let, Let me read three scriptures to you that will explain this. One we've already read today is Hebrews 9.22. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood... There is no forgiveness of sin. God and his holiness and justice demands that there be a sacrifice for sin. The wage of sin is death. Sin is so serious it requires a blood sacrifice. So Romans 5, 9, the verse right before the one we just read. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. Notice we are justified by his blood. We are made right with God, justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. God is holy and he hates sin. And his wrath will be poured out on all sin. God in his grace was willing to come himself and to take our place 
and to receive the wrath of God. When Jesus Christ was on the cross and he yelled out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Understand what was happening there. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. In that moment, the wrath of God was poured out on God. And by his death, death was destroyed. The wrath of God was overcome and satisfied. And so it is by his death we are saved. Revelation 1.5 says, Jesus who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. It is by the blood of Jesus our, son, our sin is atoned for. That is, we've been reconciled to God. God's wrath is no longer against us. We are no longer enemies to God. We now have peace with God because his wrath has been removed. We are now reconciled to God. Not only is, is, is the, our sins atoned for, our sin is forgiven. Please understand, forgiveness comes at a great price. For you to forgive someone is going to require you to pay a huge price. You're going to have to die to your right to be angry and to hold a grudge. You're going to have to die. You know what our forgiveness requires? Death. In order for us to be set free from sin, Jesus had to die. We are forgiven because of the death of Jesus. And that sin, it's completely paid for. Paid in full. We are made righteous. We are made free. We are made God's own by the death of Jesus Christ. But we are saved by his life. Understand, the life of Jesus provides us the ability to, to live a saved life. The, the life of Jesus enables us to live a saved life. He gives us this ability by his power. It says, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are given new life. Jesus explained it this way. Let me give you two verses. One is John 3, 3. Jesus said this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The only way you will see Christ, the only way you will see heaven, the only way you will see God at work in the world now is by being born again. It's by having a new life. You die to your old life. It is buried in Christ. You are raised to walk in a new life. You are born again. Something outside of you comes into you. Something that, that, that happens outside of you because you're dead in sins from birth. But because of Christ and the power of the resurrection, we are given new life. That life comes to live in us and we receive it by faith and we become a new creation. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Look at this. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Because Jesus is alive, we can and by faith will live in him. One commentator said it this way. The resurrection of Jesus was the inauguration of new life to God in which with him we now live. We now live in the living power of God. We have God's power at work in our lives because hope is alive. 
And because hope is alive, this power, the power of the resurrection is now at work in us. And we have his living leadership. He's leading us by his power. We have his living glory. Christ is alive. His glory is alive. And whenever we stop living like his enemy, and whenever we choose to live like his friend, we bring glory to God. When the rest of the world is saying, why don't you satisfy the desires of your flesh? Why don't you just go and drink it away? Why don't you go and, 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 just, and just forget yourself in porn? Why don't you just go and, and be angry and be hateful and go cuss somebody out? Why don't you just go and let whatever your flesh desires, why don't you just do that? And you say, because I am a friend of God. I'm not his enemy. He's bought me at a price and I love him. And because he is alive, I'm going to obey him. The reason you obey him is because you love him. Obedience to God is love for God. And when his power is at work, and when you are living for his glory, you don't live like the rest of the world. You don't live like a dead person. You don't live like an enemy of God. You live like a friend of God because his power is at work in you, and you have something the rest of the world doesn't have. You have a living hope. We have a living power, we have a living leadership, we have living glory, and we have a living hope. Now everybody in this room has some hope, but many have dying hope. It's a hope you can't keep. I'm going to tell you, if your hope is your good looks, you're in trouble because gravity works. <laughs> if your hope is your money, you have a dying hope because one day you're going to die. Even if they put it in the coffin with you, you can't spend it. If your hope is your health, you're in trouble because sooner or later you're going to lose it. If your hope is your power, your ability to control other people, and your ability not to have people control you, if that's your hope, you know what? Sooner or later you're going to lose it. Sooner or later you're going to end up in a hospital. You're going to be on a bed and you're going to be dependent upon nurses and doctors because you will have no more strength. That's dying hope. You know what God's given us? Living hope. It's a hope that does not fade or spoil. It is a hope that lasts for all of eternity. It's a hope that gets you through life and will see you through death. It is a hope that will always satisfy the longing of your soul. It is a hope like nothing this world can offer. It is a hope from God. It is a hope from the living God. And because hope is alive, we have living hope. Amen. This is the power of the resurrection. This is the experience. This is what God is calling us to. And it's experienced in salvation. Again, you ask, how can I experience this? There's only one way. There's only one way. You have to identify with Christ. You say, well, wait a minute. What does that mean to identify with Christ? Let me tell you. It means you do what Jesus did. You die, you're buried, and you're raised to walk in a new life. To be saved, to be set free, to experience the power of the resurrection, you have to say, my old life is dead. I die, I repent from that life. It's dead. It is buried in Christ. And now I am raised to walk in a new life in the power of the resurrection. I am born again. I am a new creation. And that happens by grace through faith in Christ alone. And once that happens, the next thing you do is you picture that in obedience. That obedience happens all the rest of your life. You die to sin. You bury it in Christ that you might live 
in a new life, in this born-again life. It's pictured first, though. Your first step of obedience to Jesus is to be baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. It's your first step of showing that, that your old life is dead, you've been buried with Christ, and you've been raised to walk in newness of life. That's why when we baptize people, that's what we say. We ask people, who is it that's going to be in charge of your life? And they respond, Jesus. Then we ask them, who is it that you're going to anchor your life and hope in? And what do they say? They say, Jesus. And then we say to them, based upon your confession of faith, now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what do we say? Can you say it out with me? You are now buried with Christ in baptism. And they go under the water. And if they're a bad sinner, we shake them. No, that's not true. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. We're all bad sinners. We all have. And, and then, but we bring them down and it's a picture being washed. And then what do we say? Can you say it with me? You are now raised to walk in newness of life. What is pictured in baptism is a picture of the life in Christ. That's how you're saved. That's how you live the Christian life in the living hope of a living Savior who lets us know that hope is alive because of the power of the resurrection. We die to our old life. It is buried with Christ and we are raised to walk in newness of life. Paul describes this beautifully in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Did you hear that? One who has died has been set free from sin. So when you identify with Christ and you say, my old life is dead, it's buried in Christ, you're free. And then you're raised to walk in newness of life. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. This hope is not just a hope in eternity, although it's there. That hope we have in eternity, the moment we die, we know that we truly live. That's why we sing what we have sung today. This comes from 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 54. It says, death is swallowed up in victory. Here's what we sang. Oh, death, where is your victory? Can you say the next part with me? Oh, death, where is your sting? God is mocking the enemy. He mocks Satan today. Today, Satan is made a fool of by the resurrected Christ. He is laughed at because death is now a joke because death for all who believe is an entry into life eternity with God. Amen? This is the victory of the resurrection. But friends, this, this coming, this victory that is coming, it, it's not the only one. There's victory now. We're able to live in the power of the resurrection now. We can live in the glory of Christ now because we have been raised to walk in newness of life. In this new life, we have new desires. We have a new purpose. We have new strength. We have the eternal almighty God alive in us. And he loves us. He has forgiven us. And he will now empower us. And because he loves us, we love him. And how do we prove that we love him? Because we obey him. 
We are saved. How do we know we are saved? Because we've been given new life and our old life is dead and now we're living this new life by the power of the one who has been raised. We now have hope, a living hope. Someone may be saying right now, and I hope that some of you are, you're saying, okay, how do I have this? How am I saved? How am I loved by God? How do I experience the power of the resurrection? The easiest way for us to explain this here at Living Hope is with three circles. There's three circles. In each circle, there are these words. One circle says God's design. One circle says brokenness. And the third circle says the gospel. What do we understand is that God designed us to be in harmony with him. But because of sin, there's now brokenness. God designed us to have peace with him. But every one of us in this room have sinned, and it creates brokenness. You want to know why there's divorce, why there's pain, why there's hurt, why there's sickness, why there's conflict and chaos? It's because of sin. But thanks be to God, he did not abandon us in brokenness. Instead, the gospel is true. The death, burial, and resurrection makes it possible for us to repent. That is, die to our old life and to believe in the resurrected life and the grace of God revealed in the cross. And if we will repent, if we will turn away, if we will die to our old life and believe in Jesus and give Jesus, the living Jesus, complete authority and ask for forgiveness of him, we will be saved and we will be free to pursue and recover God's design. Some of you need to do that right now. Right now. It's not enough that you understand it. This is better than a bag of M&Ms. This is eternal hope. Bow your heads right where you are and close your eyes. If right now you would like to receive this, if you would like to be saved, if you would like to become a Christian, if you would like to be forgiven, if you want to have this new life, pray this. You can pray it out loud. You can whisper it. You can pray it in your heart. Say this to God. God, I've sinned. I believe you died to pay for that sin. Forgive me. Take over my life. I give it to you. Fill me with the power of your resurrection that I might live and love you. If you prayed that prayer just right now, just give thanks to God. Right there, just with your eyes closed, just say thank you, Jesus. Just tell him how thankful you are for him. Some of you have prayed that before, but you've never been baptized. You've never taken that first step of obedience, but you know you need to. Here's what I want you to do right now. Tell Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to make a public profession. I'm going to tell everyone what you've done for me, and I'm going to live what you've done for me. Now, some of you are, are what we call baptized believers, but you've been living like an enemy of God. I want to invite you right now to tell him you were wrong and you're not going to live as his enemy anymore. You're going to be a friend of God. You're going to live in the life he's given, a life that loves him and honors him. Father, I pray right now for freedom. I pray your power is setting sinners free. I pray that your children are being emboldened and encouraged in the hope that they have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, I'm going to ask you to take out a card, and I want you to use this. And this is something I wish someone would have shown me when I first believed. Actually, this is something I wish someone would have showed me before I became a believer. It gives you categories to understand where you are spiritually. Now, I want everyone, there's one right in the pew in front of you, or guys, come forward on the front row, give those to take a pen. And again, I just want you to right now do, do this. 
Understand where you are spiritually. You're one of five of these. Now, some of you are in the first one. I already believe in Jesus and am anchoring my life and hope in him. If that's you, just check that first box. You know that Christ is your salvation and you are anchoring your life and your hope in him. Some of you need to check the second one. It says, I believe in Jesus and want to talk to someone about being baptized. If you've never made public profession of your faith, again, not as an infant, this is your decision. Have you chosen to be baptized? Have you chosen to, to let the world know that you're a Christian? If, if you are ready to do that and you want to talk to someone, check that second box. Some of you just pray, prayed to receive Christ for the first time. Check that third box. Put, I am believing in Jesus today and need to talk with someone about my life in Christ. If today you've accepted Christ, you need one of our leaders to talk with you about how to live that life, to grow in that life. Fourth, this is where some of you are. I'm not ready to believe in Jesus, but I'd like to talk with someone about him. Listen, we would love to talk with you. Get a cup of coffee, me and you, over a bag of M&Ms. We can talk all day, right? But listen, today you may be hearing this, and maybe you're where I was. When I first came to church, I wasn't raised in the church. It took me several months to believe, and I had lots of questions, and I'm thankful I had leaders who answered my questions. Here at Living Hope, leaders are here to talk with you. We want to walk with you. We want to help. Some of you are in that last box. I'm not ready to believe in Jesus, and I'm not ready to talk to anyone about him. Listen, that's okay. Keep coming. When I first came to church, I didn't want to believe and I didn't want to talk to anybody. But you know what? I kept coming and I was welcomed. And you're welcomed here. You're free to come here to listen, to ask questions. You're free to come and worship and give consideration. And, and you need to know you're not going to be manipulated here. We don't believe in the power of manipulation. We believe in the power of the gospel. And we believe that in God's time, if, if you are willing... The Lord's word will come alive to you at just the right time. And when he desires it, you'll be saved. But please keep coming and please give consideration. And this morning, here's what I want to invite you to do. If you want to come and pray, and I recommend this, come and bring your card and put it at the altar. Just put it on these steps and say, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm going to be baptized. I am living for you. Some of you this morning, as I was praying and, and, and encouraging others to believe, you began to think about someone that you care about that needs this new life. And, and the, you know what the best thing you could do for them is pray for them. You know why I'm here today? It's because of the blood of Jesus and the prayer of many people that, would, that prayed for my salvation. And I want to invite you to do that, to pray on this Easter Sunday for the salvation of someone you love. So let's stand together and let's pray together as we prepare to do that. Lord, we have just a moment where we can sing this song of confession. We can proclaim who you are to us. But Lord, I know there are some who need to come today and get on their knees and, and put this card just right here on the stage and say, God, I come. I come because you've saved me. I come because I need to be baptized. I come because I've got questions and I need you to help me understand. I come because I have concerns and there's brokenness around me and I need you to, to do a miracle. So God, I pray as, as these who come today that you will do the miracle they ask for. And I ask that you do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come and pray as we sing together.